Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. Um, I found myself in a really painful time in my life. Um, marriage breakdown, um, unhealthy coping mechanisms, um, depression, feelings of isolation, uh, loneliness, um, despair. I found um, it was it was incredibly difficult, and um, around that time, I also felt the need to draw closer to God. Um, not a coincidence. Um, and uh, yeah, I started being more involved at church, serving in different ways, um, just um, fully embracing um, life as a Christian woman. It took me that level of pain to uh, to fully surrender and to. Um, to look for um, for God in you know in more profound ways. Slowly but surely, I started to feel um, life was so much better. I felt so much better. Things just started to to improve, and and um, and mainly internally, you know, you know. Externally, a lot of the things were the same, uh, but internally there was a lot um, changing and improving. Uh, I started to feel um, a sense of comfort, joy, uh, peace, serenity, you know, that I knew um, were coming from God. I knew for a fact that, you know, there is nothing, any external dependency or external um, source wasn't able to give me those those um, feelings of comfort and joy and serenity especially. I've always loved people and I um, struggled during that time when I was running on empty because um, it was difficult for me to give something that I didn't have at the time. So as I began to uh, to be restored by Jesus, I um, felt that I was able to be myself and to use the gifts that I've, I've been given, you know, which are simply to connect with people and to love them. So as I felt that comfort and that joy and was able to, um, to share that with my friends, I felt that um, I didn't expect to get um, in return their presence at church with me and, um, and us being able to share this faith journey together to do life um, as, as Christian women. So I've got these dear friends, uh, Etanesh, uh, Mandy and Jane, who have um, been baptized and who are here at church with me um, every Sunday. And when I hear, you know, um, Mandy says, for example, oh, I'll always be grateful that you introduced me to church. And I say, I'll always be grateful to you for coming. Uh, for me, it's, um, it's a gift to have um, friends around me that, you know, that share this journey with me, you know, that we can do life together and we can support each other. So at the same time that it's, um, it's a wonderful outcome that they've come to know Jesus and, um, you know, and somehow I've, I've impacted a bit on their life. Um, for me, the greatest gift is to have this family, this spiritual church family increase and um, yeah, and to help each other.
such a beautiful, such a beautiful testimony. Thank you, Adriana. And we have your beautiful friends. We have Etanesh, Mandy and Jane up here this morning uh, to share part of their story with as well. And that was incredibly uh, gracious of um, Adriana, the way she shared that story and saying that she really felt as though she didn't have much and yet she's given so much. Etanesh, how did Adriana come into your world? Um, I met Adriana at a point in my life where I was heading down a really dark road and I thought, I can't possibly get back from this. And um, I met her through some friends and her presence, it gave me hope. She had an air about her and she spoke to me in a way that she exposed all of her experiences and all of her scars and how God had been healing them over time. And um, I started to feel like maybe that, that road I was on, that didn't have to be my path anymore and that I had a chance to experience what she was showing me. That's great. Thank you. Mandy? Yeah, um, I met Adriana through... Um, friends and um, I was in a very dark place also in my life. Um, I was going through a high conflict divorce and um, we bonded over, I, I suppose I'd never um, known God in my life. I was brought up an atheist and she had something I wanted and um, she said, why don't you come to church? And I thought, oh yeah, whatever. Like <laughs> I had no idea what I was in for. Um, I never believed in God or anything and I came in here with her and it just felt like um, I was coming home like I've been looking for this all my life but I didn't really realize that I was looking for it I don't know how it happened but it happened and I will always be grateful um, for Adriana because I don't think I'd yeah it was a really dark place I, I was coming from so I just always be grateful and God has God is great. I, you know, it's just the best thing that's ever happened to me. So thank you. Thanks, thank you. Mandy. Jane. I'm trying not to cry. <clears throat> um, yeah, well, I met Adriana through friends also, and my life was pretty ordinary at, at that particular time, and um, I was sort of um, battling some really overwhelming things that were completely out of my control. Um, I battled with addiction and I battled with, well, my husband has dementia, you've probably seen him around church, um, which has um, been, you know, a really completely overwhelming thing for um, me and my family. Um, and I knew that Adriana had had sort of her own battles and I used to look at her and think, you know, she just does it so gracefully and um, I knew that she went to church um, and so I just approached I just felt like I knew that I was in a place where what was happening in my life was out of my control. And um, that's not good when you're a control freak. So, um, yeah, I just approached her and um, I, I spoke to her one day and said, I, you know, I knew that she went to church and I asked her if, she'd, if I could come along. And where did she go? And here I am. That's wonderful. Um, Mandy, if I can come back to you. Yeah. Adriana, I'm sure this is like the funeral when you're not dead, you know, when people actually share how much, how much the, you mean to them. It's really special. I've always thought about it. Have you ever thought about that? I've always thought what people would say when I died. Right. 
Mandy. <laughs> Back to you. So, incredible story. Mandy's got an incredible testimony, but in terms of you know, this value of one and, and Adriana coming into your world and, and I guess that special part of her sharing with you, what is it that she's given you? She's given me Jesus, like basically that's what she's given me. She's given me strength, hope and faith and it's something I never had before. And my rock bottom, I, it was so terrible. I was, I was actually suicidal and she just, I've, she came into my life just at the right time and now I just think that was a God job <laughs> and um, she's, she saved me. And well, through her God, it's, I've been saved. And, um, yeah, it's just amazing, <laughs> you know. I just pinch myself every day thinking, gosh, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm a survivor. And, you know, I've got another friend here today from the Huon Valley and it's just, it's just this beautiful thing. Mm. That's lovely. So thanks for letting me share. <laughs> thanks. Jane, oh, what about yeah. you? Um, <clears throat> What's well, Adriana brought into your life? Well... Adriana's brought, like, encouragement. She's been really encouraging um, through being there for me and, you know, taking me uh, sort of so far in this journey. Um, and just hope. Um, definitely increase my faith. Like, I, I always had... Um, I always believed in God, but, you know, I didn't have a relationship with God. And, you know, Adriana's... Um, you know, introduced me, she's introduced me to Jesus, yeah. Um, and it's, it's amazing. And I, I didn't thank you before, but I do thank you. Okay. And Etanesh, what about you? What's Adriana given to you? Oh, that's a long list. <laughs> um, yeah, she has given me a relationship with God. I, um, I, like Jane, I knew about God, but I didn't think that God knew or cared enough for me and I thought I was um, less than and not ready to receive the God that she spoke about and um, over time she let me know that I was just the way I needed to be for him to love me. I didn't need to be fixed and perfect yet and um, that just changed my whole world thinking that he could love me in my brokenness um but the the greatest thing she gave me was that that hope and um she filled me with a desire to want to be like her and i found myself having the confidence to reach out to other people that i knew didn't have the god that i know and love and um and slowly but surely, I was able to bring a few people in and let them experience what this church can do and what knowing Jesus can do for you. So she's given me everything. Thanks. And Mandy, I just want to come back to you. You've only been saved for six months or a bit more, a bit under 12. Yeah. So incredible change, as you say, in your life. And when we, when, last year when we had Vision Builders and we, we sort of set the vision out about launching the Huon Valley, you put your hand up to be part of the Huon Valley launch team. So brand new Christian and said, I want to be part of planting a church. Can you tell us about that journey? What made you put up your hand to do that? 
Um, I love the Huon Valley. I've got lots of friends down there. Um, and I don't know, I just feel like it was an inner calling. I just, I just, just did, you know, I just did what, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's just like... That's a good testimony. I don't calling. know, I just did it. So, um, yeah. That's fantastic. So if um, anyone's not busy at 2.30 today, come, come on down. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Could you all give a hand to uh, Etanesh, Mandy and Jane? It's incredibly graceful when you hop around like an idiot. Uh, um, can I get someone to grab my stool for me as well, please, guys? Wasn't that beautiful? When, uh, when the uh, speaking roster came out um, over a month ago, God started speaking to me about what he would like me to, to talk about today. Thanks. Just swap you. <laughs> It's okay, nothing to see here. It's very seamless. <laughs> uh, um, and God, God spoke to me about what he wanted me to speak about today. And I'd been preparing this message and living in this message. And then I got the video of Adriana and I just thought, that is exactly what I'm sharing today. You know, God goes before us um, in, in the word that he wants us to hear. And so my prayer this morning is that we can really grab hold of, of the word this morning because that is such a special story. Um, you know, Adriana said she gave out of her lack. She actually gave what she didn't have at that time. And I, that's incredibly powerful. And that's what I want to speak about today. I want to talk to you that the title of my message this morning is There Were Many but he went for the one. Everyone say there was many, but he went for the one. And you'll understand what that means when I come back to it. So if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, why don't you turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17. And we're going to explore uh, a story together from the Old Testament. And uh, we're just gonna start in verse one. You can follow along. And then this happened. Uh, Elijah the Tishbite, have I got the right? Oh, yep. Okay. No, it'll, it'll come. From among the settlers of Gilead confronted Ahab. So we've got Ahab the king. He's a very wicked king. And Elijah's a prophet of God. So a prophet in the Old Testament was a chosen person who would bring the word of God. And Elijah goes to Ahab and says, As surely as God lives, the God of Israel before whom I stand in obedient service... The next years are going to see a total drought, not a drop of dew or rain unless I say otherwise. So the prophet brought a word of God to the king and declared a drought over the land. And God then told Elijah, he said, you need to get out of here and fast. Head east and hide out at the Kerith Ravine on the other side of the Jordan River. You can drink fresh water from the brook and I've ordered the ravens to feed you. Elijah obeyed God's orders I think this is where it comes in. Thanks, Silas. Um, he went and camped in the Kerith Canyon on the other side of the Jordan. And sure enough, ravens brought him his meals, both breakfast and supper. And he drank from the brook. So Elijah went and God looked after him and gave him a brook to drink out of while he had declared drought on the land. But eventually the brook dried up because of the drought. And then God spoke to him and he said, get up and go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. And I've instructed a woman who lives there, she's a widow, to feed you. 
So he got up and he went to Zarephath. And as he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood. Isn't it incredible that of all the people he could meet on the entrance to the village, he meets the one person that God intended him to meet? Ever had that happen? Where you have crossed paths with one person that you were supposed to meet. And he meets her there and he says, please, would you bring me a little water in a, dr- in a jug? I need a drink. And as she went to get it, he called out, he called out, and while you're at it. <laughs> that is exactly what I've been doing while I've been sitting there in this boot. Mark, can you get me a drink? And while you're at it. <laughs> and while you're at it. Can you bring me something to eat? Listen to this. And she said, actually, she swore. <laughs> no, she didn't. She said, I swear, as surely as your God lives, I don't have so much as a biscuit. Okay, I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. And you found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for my son and me. And after we eat it, we'll die. Have you had anyone push you to your limits? Like just right when you've got nothing and you're going through your own issues, somebody walks up to you and wants something for you, from you, and right when they want something for you, they say, and not only do I want that, but while you're at it, can you do this as well? And she turns around to this bloke, I mean, I would have ripped him. Like, I have got enough going on in my life right now. The last thing I need is you turning up at the gate while I'm trying to get the firewood so I can go home and feed the one thing that I love more than anything in this world, and we're going to die. It's all I've got. I've got nothing else. I am consumed with what's happening in my world right now, and you're asking something of me. And Elijah said to her, don't worry about a thing. Oh, don't you hate it when you go to church and you've got heaps of stuff going on and somebody comes up to you and says, don't worry, I'll pray for you. It's all going to turn out fine. Anybody ever wanted to show a sign of violence at that moment? (laughs) Oh, no, it's just me. Oh, it's just me. Honestly, like, I love you guys. Thank you for encouraging me. It is going to be fine. But uh, right then, you don't want to hear that. Yeah? Yeah? But he says, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you said. But first, everyone say first. Make me a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what's left for you and your son. This is the word of the God of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. And she went right off and she did it. Just as Elijah asked, and it turned out, as he said, daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled to the letter exactly as as Elijah had delivered it. Amen? Amen. So, my Achilles snapped the whole back of my leg and uh, it's been really hard. It's actually been really hard. And I know that many of you have way more war stories than somebody who's just snapped their Achilles. Um, But who knows that somebody else's hard story never makes your story any easier? Yeah? Mum used to always say to me, you eat your dinner because there's lots of starving children in Ethiopia? That never made it any easier to eat those Brussels sprouts. (laughs) Amen? So it's been hard. 
In the most difficult circumstances, I don't know about you, but most of the time when I'm in a difficult circumstance, I don't want to be there. I don't want to go through a season in my life that's hard. I don't want to be sitting here in a boot. I don't want to sit at home doing nothing. I don't want to not be able to play netball again for the rest of my life. And I know that so many times I've spoken to people, whether it's in a pastoral capacity or a friendship capacity, one of the first lessons God ever taught me uh, was out of Psalm 23, and it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I always say to people, that scripture doesn't say, though I run and bolt out of the valley of the shadow of death, right? It says I walk through it. Why do I walk through it? I mean, when you are going through a horrible season in your life, when you are going through a hard time, your natural instinct is to get out of that situation as fast as you can. And yet the scripture says we walk through the shadow of the valley or the valley of the shadow of death because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And I know that during those times where you're walking, God is actually taking the time to teach you what you need to know while you're going through that circumstance. He's actually getting you to rely on his comfort and who he is in order for you to grow and take that next step during those hard times. But this is next level. I can't even walk through that valley. I just have to sit there. That's not funny, God. I mean, this is great. You tell me to walk through. I can't even walk. I'm just going to sit there with a boot on. But have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt at that point where you've just reached an emotional bottom? Maybe it's rock bottom financially. Maybe it's rock bottom mentally. Maybe it's rock bottom in a relationship. Just where you get to that point where you've just got nothing left. And here we have a widow at her lowest point. She's got nothing. She's got nothing left. The drought's taken everything. And her only thing that she's got left in those times, if you were a widow in those times, you had no ability to own land, you had no ability to work, you couldn't go in, it was all male dominated, she had nothing. She was at rock bottom, fed up, out of resource, at her lowest point. And into this situation, Elijah comes. We serve a God that will come to you at your lowest point. He will come to you to meet you exactly where you're at. Exactly when you're most broken, most in need, God will find a way to come and meet you. Amen? But this is fascinating because God, via Elijah, didn't come into this widow's world with provision. He didn't come and say, I have come into your world to provide for your needs, to give you more food, to bring you everything that you need. He came into her world and asked her to give. He has the audacity and the rudeness to say, and while you're at it, can you give me the last thing you've got? Because I'm hungry. Have you ever asked why God asks us to give what you're running out of? And I'm not just talking about finances. Sometimes people want so much from you right out of that place that you have nothing left. 
your husband or wife wants a relationship and understanding when you've got no emotional energy left. Your kids want more from you just when you're the most tired. Your lecturer at uni wants you to do more right when you feel like you've given it all you've got. And I had so many lovely messages when I snapped my Achilles. I had so many beautiful friends that did so much for me. But I also had messages where somebody said, hey, hope you're feeling okay. Oh, by the way, could you get this done for me? And I was sitting in my chair. I was feeling sick, my leg hurt. I'd been told by my physio and uh, the surgeon that, well, the surgeon thinks I'm going to play netball again. Physio said no chance. Um, I... Emotionally, this has been really hard. And I'm at rock bottom and I'm getting emails from people saying, and by the way, could you get this done? Or I'll just save this up for when you're back. And I was annoyed <laughs> by that and I was praying and God just took the time to remind me about those times in my life where I've been asked to give out of what I didn't have. There were times when I had to preach after I'd just lost a friend in a car accident. There were times where God asked me to give more financially when I had been saving up for one thing that I've wanted for so long, and he said, no, you need to give that. There were times when God's asked me to encourage someone else when I was so discouraged. And at those times, God was, you know, I'm sitting there on my chair, and God reminded me, he said, sometimes I will turn up in your world at the most inopportune time. Right when you don't need me to show up, I'm going to show up. Moses was hiding in the desert because he'd murdered someone and God turned up in a bush and called him out of the desert to go and speak. Jonah was so angry at the Ninevites and yet right when he was angry with them, God pulls him out and says, I want you to go and speak to them. Peter was fishing, trying to make a living, and Jesus just walks up and says, Peter, get out of your boat, leave all your fish and your boat and everything, come follow me. God will turn up in your life at the most inopportune times, right in the middle of your most vulnerable and right in the middle of the times when you lack, God appears. Because he wants to know where you're at. You know, crisis has an ability to really get a, a, a magnifying glass on where you're actually at, yeah? It, it magnifies what's going on in here. And God uses those times and he'll come to you and he'll say, where is your heart? Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Where, where are we at with this? Will you put yourself aside and really trust me right in the middle of your crisis? You see, God's promises are optional. They're true, and they will always be true, but they are always attached to a principle. And we have the option of whether we want to engage with that principle. You see in the Bible time and time again that it's simple acts of obedience to a principle that unlocks the promise in God. So I've got four points today very quickly, about obedience, giving in times of lack. Giving in times of lack. Are we ready for that? First one, one that I've learned. In times where I'm obedient in my lack, one, he moves my eyes. He moves my eyes. My focus shifts when I give 
out of my lack. I will shift from looking at my own capacity, my own resources, the issue in front of me, and I will look at something else. I will start to look at God's resources, His abilities, what His purposes are, because your personal resources will never be enough. What the woman had in her hand was not gonna be enough. She didn't have enough flour, she didn't have enough oil. She only had a few sticks to make one fire. If we continually look at what we have in our own capacity, it will never be enough. And yet when you are asked to give out of your lack, your focus, your eyes will shift from your resources to his resources. And in those moments, there's a temptation when somebody comes into your world to ask you to give out of lack. There's a temptation to push that opportunity away or to ignore it because it is the last thing you want at that time. When you come to church and there's stuff going on in your world and the preacher gets up and starts speaking straight into that issue, the biggest thing you wanna do is cross your arms, push it away and start thinking about something else. And yet the thing, the word of God that comes into your world when you are struggling the most is exactly the word that you need to unlock the purposes and provision of God to your life. Elijah walked in and said, give to me, not what she needed, not what she wanted, but it was exactly what she needed to do to unlock the provision to her world. Don't send away the one thing that God has sent to you to unlock exactly what you need. I would have totally understood if that woman had told Elijah to get stuffed. I would have got it, but she didn't. She didn't. She was open to the opportunity that God brought across her path. She shifted her focus from her firewood to the word of God that was spoken between, to Elijah. The second one is, after I've shifted my focus and I've moved my eyes from my own resources to God's resources, it moves my hands. Giving out of lack moves my hands. Sometimes we don't want to do anything to, to unlock the miracle to get us out of our hard time. Yeah? I don't know, maybe this is just me preaching to myself, but you know, when you have to sit there in a chair for a long period of time, God puts up a mirror and makes you look at yourself. Sometimes you don't want to do anything to help yourself. You just want God to fix the situation and get you out of it. I don't want to do rehab on my Achilles. I don't want to have dry needles in my Achilles. I don't want to do the exercises. I don't want anyone to touch it. I just want to sit here in my boot and then come to church. Somebody prays for me. I throw the boot off in the amen and my Achilles is healed. Yeah? But sometimes God wants you to partner with him and do something. Do something to shift my hands. I remember that when I'm low on whatever it is that I need, God will come and ask me to give the one thing that I need. And I don't understand why that's a principle, but I know it works. 
You know, there's so many examples in the Bible. God, there's a little boy who gave what he had. He had loaves and fishes, and God did something amazing with it. There was a widow who had two small copper coins. Jesus was watching who gave what into the church, and he pointed at her and he said, she's given more than anybody else here today because she gave all that she had. When you do something, that whole action shifts the tide of your circumstances. God is the source of the miraculous. And yet when you actually grab a hold of yourself and do something that is obedient to what he's asking you to do, that will shift your circumstances. Mary said when Jesus was just growing up, they went to a wedding and they ran out of wine. And Jesus said, don't ask me, my time has not yet come. And Mary turned to the people at the wedding and she said this, she said, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. There is a principle in God that if we do what he tells us to do, we unlock something for, as a miracle in our lives. Third one, once I've shifted my focus and I've done something, usually I'm still in a bad mood. Anyone? <laughs> so sometimes that doesn't make it okay. Sometimes God says, listen to me, Alicia, do what I'm telling you to do, and I'm still mad, or I'm still in lack, but something incredible happens. That's when it moves my heart. So the third thing is when my eyes have been moved, my hands have been moved, my heart begins to shift. And I'll give you an example. I used to be on the senior leadership team here at church. And um, we had a fair bit going on and we had a, a really uh, core member of our church who's a, just a beautiful, beautiful person. And on this particular day, um, something had happened and this person chose to send an email to the senior leadership team that absolutely ripped us. And I remember reading that email and to be honest, I was devastated. Because who knows when you're criticized that the first thing that upsets you is that they don't understand your intention. And so just be careful before you choose to email people in leadership. I'm really serious. Before you choose to criticize anybody, go and read 1 Corinthians 13 and test your motives against the definition of love. If you pass that test, you may speak the truth in love. But you get an email and it ripped us and I was devastated. And I just stewed on it. Who stews on things? Just sits there and so then I played out a few scenarios as to how I might respond. Everything from a ninja to an angelic angel that says, bless you my child. And I stewed on it for hours and hours. Anyway, in the middle of this somehow, God's like, hello, hello, can I speak to you? I'm like, what? And God says, could you email someone else, please, and send them an encouraging word? And I said, nope, I don't have anything encouraging to say to anybody right now. And God says, hello, excuse me, could you please email this person and encourage them today? And I said, I shifted my focus, listened. Two, got my computer out, did something, still mad, 
dear such and such, I just want you to know you're amazing. What you're doing is the purpose of God on your life, the impact you've had on someone else is blah, 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 blah. I got an email straight back. And this person was at home, devastated, about to stop doing the one thing that God had called them to do. And they turned around and they said, that email shifted me into sticking with that thing that God had called me to do. Listen, God will ask you to do the one thing that you lack for someone else to break the cycle of what you're going through. It shifted my heart, it softened my heart straight away to say, this is not my role to be angry. This is my role to listen to the email that I got, forgive them for the bit that hurt, but be able to move on. My heart changed once my eyes moved and my hands moved. Your giving unlocks a miracle for you and it unlocks a miracle for someone else. You see, what Elijah realized that he thought that he was coming to the widow to make her feed him. You think that you're coming to this church for this church to feed you. Sometimes you think you're at work for them to pay you. Sometimes you think you're at school for them to give you a qualification. But no, you're there so you can feed them. Elijah realized when he turned up that this wasn't his miracle to be fed by the widow. He turned up and realized she needed a miracle. She was in greater need than he was. What if the brook dried up? What if Elijah declared the drought, the brook dried up, he turns up and meets the widow, he's starving, he's thirsty. What if all of that happened? Everything that happened in your life, what if you were hurt? What if all the situations that have occurred in your life, what if they all happened because in the future you were to meet one other person that was in greater need than you? And you would have exactly what they need. Elijah was obedient to God and he went to the widow. The widow was obedient and shared the bread. And the amazing thing is that out of the two small acts of obedience, three people were saved. Elijah was saved, the widow was saved, and her son was saved. Your giving brings a miracle into someone else's life. Adriana gave out of her lack She gave love out of her loneliness. She gave the one thing that she needed more than anything else in that chapter of her life. She found what she needed to give that to someone else. And the amazing thing is that out of that act of obedience, there's a miracle for Jane, there's a miracle for Etanesh, and there's a miracle for Mandy. And not only that, but there's a miracle for Adriana because God knows your needs in the middle of what he's asking you to give. Can I have the musicians, please? My last point today is that God will purposefully come to you. He will purposefully come to you. He comes to the one. Listen to this. In Luke chapter four, and let's put that up. So we're now in the New Testament and Jesus actually talks about this situation in the Old Testament. He says this, he added, I tell you with all certainty, a prophet is not accepted in his hometown. He was speaking to a whole heap of people in a synagogue. He says, I'm telling you the truth. There were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when it didn't rain for three years and six months and there was a severe famine everywhere in the land. 
Look at this. Yet Elijah wasn't sent to a single one of these widows except to one at Zarephath in Sidon. There were many widows that Elijah could have gone to with the provision of God, but he went to one. There are many people during this month that can contribute to Vision Builders, but God will come to you. He will come to you. He's a God that goes after the one. He will come and find you wherever you are, whatever situation you are in, whatever circumstances you lack, God will purposefully come to you. And the opportunity that we have in those moments is to respond to the opportunity that God brings our way. It'll, it'll probably be inconvenient. It'll probably be in a package that is like, well, what do I need this for? And yet it's an invitation from God to bring the one thing that you need. But greater than that is to, in meeting your need, He will show you your purpose in meeting the need of someone else. Your miracle will unlock a miracle of one other person. And I am believing this month that we get a hold of this value of one. Elijah could have gone to the many, but he didn't. He went to the one widow. God knows the value of your life. And in your lack, He will meet you. I pray that we won't turn our hearts away. Your heart won't change until you turn your eyes and you do something. It's a process. But when you do that, there's incredible times in God that we we can't even begin. We can't even begin to fathom what He can do. I just want to pray. Let's just close our eyes. God, I thank You that sometimes it's not the devil who puts us in situations where we're running out of something or we're, we're hitting rock bottom. But God, sometimes it's You. And it's You because in the middle of that time, God, You will come to meet us one-on-one. -on -one. In our hardest times, You will come. And You'll always position us, God, for purpose. And I pray, God, this morning that You will just come and speak to the One. What is it that You want us to shift our focus on? What is it that You want our hands to do? How do You want to move our heart this morning, God? And I know while all our eyes are closed and all our heads are bowed that, that God brought particular people here this morning to hear this message because God has been with you all the days of, our, of your life. Do you know the Bible says that He knew you before you were born? And He arranged a set of circumstances for you to be here today to tell you one thing, and that is that He loves you more than you could ever imagine. In fact, 
He loves you so much that He knows every circumstance that you've been through. He knows how far away from God you feel. He knows every hurt and every pain. But He says this, He says, I loved you so much that rather than you carry the outcomes, the punishment, the hurt from your life story, I sent my son to die on a cross and that took all of that punishment on your behalf. And he said, when I did that, and when Jesus died on that cross, and then he rose again, what happened was, there is no longer any consequence for your sin. He said, that one act of sacrifice joined you again to me. It gave you a pathway to come back just as you are and say, God, please take me as I am. I'm sorry for where I've missed the mark, but God, take me back. And that's the opportunity that God has arranged for you here this morning. It's a meeting at the gate where God says, I love you. Would you come back to me? And if you're here this morning and you wanna do that, I wanna pray with you this morning. I'm believing that God has set up an invitation for you to clear the past and start a new day today. And I'm gonna ask you to do one thing while every eye's closed, every head's bowed. If that's you, just I just want you to raise your hand, then you can put it down again and I'm gonna pray with you. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.